get through. Amen. Wave at them as we leave. Amen. Let's all stand together today. All right. We want to welcome you here. Glad you're here to worship with us. It's going to be a great day. We've got baptism. We've got some wonderful singing. Got a wonderful message coming. It's going to be a fabulous day. Glad you're here. And we're just going to worship the Lord and have him do what he wants to do today. Amen. Fill out those welcome, those uh, connect cards that's uh, in your bulletins sometime this morning. If you will, we'll take them up later on in the service. All right. Y'all good? Sing this song with me. Sing it out. Oh, worship the Lisa Chastain here to be baptized this morning. And what I want to do is if you're here um, as a family of Asa, I would just ask that you could stand so we could recognize you guys really quick. I know there's a lot of you. Yes. So Asa comes this morning to be baptized. Um, Asa was saved um, a while back, actually. And uh, he didn't want to fall into this thing of getting baptized because everybody else was. And so he kind of put it off. Um, but he said, I've, I've waited long enough, and I want to show everybody that I follow Jesus now. And so, Asa, I just have one question for you. Do you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior of your life? Yes. All right. Well, on that commitment of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried as Christ was buried, raised to walk in a new way of life. Well, how about it, church? Amen. Amen. Wouldn't we like to do that every Sunday morning? Yes, Amen. We could do that. Let's pray. Stand together as we pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for this day and this time together, God. We just want to give you honor and glory for everything that's done. Thank you for what we've just witnessed, for this obedience in you, God. We just pray you'd have your way in everything that's done today. Be with the singing, be with the preaching. And I pray people will be drawn to you. God, you be lifted up in everything. In Jesus' holy name, amen. amen. 
Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Amen? Master. He's my Savior. He's my Jesus like the fragrance after the rain. He is the reason that we're here today. And we're so glad you're here. Go ahead and be seated if you, you will at this time. We are here to welcome our guest of honor, and it is Jesus Christ, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the only one that can transform a life, the only one that can set the captives free. He loves us when we're unlovable, and he wants to meet you right where you are today. If you look inside your worship guide, Pastor Mike mentioned a little bit earlier, and take out that Connect card. If you're here today for the very first time, you picked a great day to visit us today, because right now there's being a lunch prepared in your honor right across the way in our fellowship hall. If you're a recent guest, if you're a recent new member. We just love the opportunity to fellowship with you today and get to know you better. Our staff and our wives will be over there. Love to spend some time with you today. Hold on to that card until the very end of the service and we'll collect those at the close of the service today. If you have prayer requests or praises you'd like to share with our staff for our time of prayer on Tuesday morning, we'd love to have you do that. And I believe Pastor Mike is at this coming Saturday is our church work day, right? So all hands on deck. for All hands on deck. More hands here, the quicker we go home, right? <laughs> That's right. Amen. We'll have so, a little, uh, little sweet snacks and stuff if you get here early enough. All right. Amen. Amen. So we want, we want to give the Lord our very best always. Amen. As we prepare for Easter, I think we've got about five more weeks till Easter. We just want to spruce up the place extra special. So thank you for your faithfulness to give. Thank you for not giving in to the fear and the hysteria of the media with all that's going on in the world today. The scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. So when that fear starts to creep over us, we just want to trust the Lord Jesus. So we're going to be safe. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to pray. We're going to clean the church. Our nursery workers are taking an extra effort, I understand, to make sure everything, not that they don't every week anyway, but we don't live in fear. So we're so glad you're here today. Thank you for your faithfulness to give. Thank you, thank you for your faithfulness to worship the Lord with his tithes and our love gifts. So let's pray together as our men prepare to come and receive today's offering. Lord Jesus. You are the giver of every good and every perfect gift. It comes down from you, the Father of lights. And Lord, you've given us your promise that when we seek you first and your kingdom and your righteousness, you've told us everything else will be added unto us. God, you've told us to trust you, to prove you with the tithe, you say in Malachi. And you say if we do that, you're going to pour out such blessings over us and our families and our church. We won't even be able to contain all that you do. So God, because we love you, because yours is the 
name above every name. Because you're the only one that could die for our sins. It's only right. It's only fitting that we lavishly love you and worship you in this time of offering. God, I pray that you would take this offering, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Use it to help us touch souls for your glory in northeast Georgia and around the nations. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Jesus Christ gave his life's blood for a nobody like me. Praise God for the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. Again, so, so overjoyed to see you in the house of the Lord today. And as I mentioned um, last week, just a little parental warning. We're going to be dealing with some sensitive issues this morning. So if you have small children and you think that may make them uncomfortable, I thank God for our fully staffed nursery and our uh, children's worship hour. But that is, that is a parental decision uh, for you to make. As we continue a series we're calling Untouchables, we get back to that today. Things that you don't normally talk about in church, but quite frankly, we ought to talk about in church, amen? Because the world's not afraid to talk about them. This, these 66 love letters right here. We got the promise that God's given us all we need to know right here pertaining to life and to godliness. Just this Friday, Disney Pixar, which used to be a family-friendly company, uh, released a movie, uh, an animated feature called Onward. It's a cartoon aimed, obviously, at young children. And for the first time ever in a major animated movie, just this week, Friday, Features a lesbian character, Officer Spectre, a purple cyclops voiced by actress Lena Waithe. Some countries, many of the Middle Eastern countries and Russia, I think, have wisely kind of banned that movie because they don't want this social indoctrination of their children. I doubt any of us in this building over the age of 30 or 40 could have even imagined just 10, 15 years ago that anything like this would be happening in our culture. Although it's the first animated cartoon character that lives an openly homosexual lifestyle. It's not the first time Disney has waded into this. In some of their others, their live action films. In Beauty and the Beast, they featured a homosexual character named LeFou. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker featured a same-sex kiss between two soldiers. Now, did you hear me? We're not talking about some pornographic film company. We're talking about the company founded by Walt Disney and aimed at families. And if you remember the the PBS animated cartoon Arthur. I think my children watched that when they were younger. Just last year in this very popular PBS animated series on Monday, May the, May the 14th, 2019, the beloved animated series featured one of the main characters, Mr. Ratburn, Arthur's school teacher, got married to another man. Featured, there's a picture of it right there from a cartoon. By the way, why in the world are we funding PBS? Putting out a bunch of garbage. Listen, it's socialism at its best. Everybody it, it ought to compete on the same level. If they can compete and sell their cartoons, they don't need my tax money. Amen? Particularly when they're going to put out stuff that goes against our Judeo-Christian values. Anybody remember the big lovable red dog, Clifford, the big red dog. I think our children may have watched that one also. After a 17-year production hiatus, they've re-released Clifford, the big red dog. And you have probably guessed by now, like every, almost every television program on today, they've got to work that in. One of the main characters is Emily Elizabeth. She's the, the owner, if you will, of Clifford. One of her best friends now has two mommies in that cartoon. We better wake up to the fact that the devil is alive, his minions are alive, and there is an aggressive agenda to indoctrinate our children. It's not just enough to affect adults, but they're going after our children. Where are the moms and dads with any biblical discernment? Where are the moms and dads who say, we're not going to spend another penny on garbage like that? And if we don't support it with our money, they won't be able to keep making those. We'll accept PBS because they take your tax dollars and do that for them. The Super Bowl this year, do you know that the Super Bowl 
Israel turned down airing a commercial that was not controversial really at all. The commercial was about survivors of abortion. Adults whose parents tried to abort them and they survived. I, I watched that online because the Super Bowl wouldn't play it. Instead, the Super Bowl aired commercials featuring drag queens, men dressed up like women. Just last week, just last month, I saw circulated all over the internet, you may have seen it too, a drag queen, a man dressed up like a woman, very suggestively and seductively serenading a horrified little girl. Did any of you see this garbage? Serenading a little girl who you could tell was scared to death while adults in the room cheered and applauded. Where's that mama and daddy? They ought to be arrested for child abuse. They were raping the imagination of that little girl. Some parents, and I, I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not, allegedly Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, does he still go by Prince? Whatever he goes by this day. I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, that they're going to do what a lot of couples are doing now. They want to raise their children as gender neutral. As gender neutral until they get old enough to decide what they want to be. Well, there's a theological term for that. It's called hogwash. It's called hogwash. That is child abuse, in my opinion. A lady who was the head of the um, American College of Pediatricians in 2017, I don't know if she still is or not, Michelle Cretella, a medical doctor, medical doctor for over 20 years, she says this, biological sex is not assigned, sex is determined at conception. We're not to the Bible yet, we're still in with science. Sex is determined at conception by our DNA and is stamped into every cell of our bodies. You either have a normal Y chromosome and develop into a male or you don't and you'll develop into a female. There are at least 6,500 genetic differences between men and women. Hormones and surgery cannot possibly change that. Thoughts and feelings are not biologically hardwired. They're environmentally learned. This woman says, if, you, if I walked into my doctor's office today and said, hello, I'm Margaret Thatcher, the former prime minister of Great Britain. My physician will say I'm delusional. Give me an antipsychotic drug and may put me in a psych ward. But if she says, if I walk in and said, I'm a man, he would say, congratulations, you're transgender. If I were to say, doc, I'm suicidal because I'm an amputee trapped in a normal body, please cut off my leg, I'll be diagnosed with body identity integrity disorder. But if I walked into that doctor's office and say, I'm a man, sign me up for a double mastectomy, my physician will. She says, see, if you cut off a leg or an arm, you're mentally ill. If you want to cut off healthy uh, body parts, you're transgender. And this doctor head of the American Academy of Pediatricians says nobody's born transgender. If gender identity was hardwired into our brain, then identical twins would both be the same. And in, in many, many cases, that is not the case. Why do people choose that kind of lifestyle? I think sometimes it's abuse. Sometimes it may be the mental illness of the parents who raised them. This doctor goes on to say that these drugs they give people who want to go through a gender change, they've never tested puberty blockers in biologically normal children, but we're, we're doling them out every day. It doesn't matter that when the blockers are used to treat prostate cancer in men and gynecological problems in women, they cause problems with memory. She talks about how they give these people cross-sex hormones. That puts them at risk for heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer, and even the very emotional problems the gender experts claim to be treating. It is child abuse to put children through this. She, she reminds us that the American Academy of Pediatrics several years ago said you ought not to let children get tattoos because that does permanent damage to their body. But that same AAP today is 110% behind the support of 60 
16-year-old girl is getting a double mastectomy even without parental permission. I'm just telling you I'd be in jail if somebody pulled that mess on my children. I just tell you up front, ask God for forgiveness later. To indoctrinate children from preschool forward, Arthur, the big red dog, Disney's onward, with the lie that they could be trapped in the wrong body disrupts the very foundation of a child's reality testing. So if children come to think, if I can't trust the reality of my physical body, what can I trust? Transgender ideology in schools is psychological abuse that often leads to chemical castration, sterilization, and surgical mutilation. That's coming from a doctor, the head of American Academy of Pediatricians. She has more sense than a lot of parents do. She has more sense than a lot of people out there today. Children in some school districts, and now in many legal forms, they're given the choice of how you want to identify. You want to identify as male or female or gender fluid or binary. We're putting that out there like it's just normal for kids to decide that. For the love of sanity, can we just let children be children today? Let the adults be messed up if they choose to, but leave our children alone. And it it doesn't take a village, it takes a parent to raise a godly children. A parent that'll take the Deuteronomy 6 mandate to instruct our children in the ways of the Lord when we sit, when we go, when we lie down at night, to teach them from the word of God because I'm telling you the world is 180 degrees polar opposite of what they're going to be taught from godly parents and from the word of God and listen it's not just enough to bring them to church we only get them a few hours a week there's only so much Pastor Andrew and Pastor Kevin can do with our children thank God we're honored Listen, when you bring your children to this church, we get it. You've just trusted us with your most valuable resource. That's your children. We don't take that lightly or for granted. But we cannot undo in a few hours on Sundays and Wednesdays what they've gotten from the world and many times in government schools for the whole course of the week. And I'm talking about something that's affected us personally. Can I just tell you that? My mother had a cousin who is now in eternity who lived with that, who lived out that lifestyle back when it wasn't even talked about. So I'm telling you it's something that's touched our family. As a student pastor for a long, long time, kids that I love, kids that I took on mission trips, one specific, and listen, I'm not telling you anything confidential because they're public. One young lady, I made this statement. My wife can tell you, I said, she could be the next Lottie Moon. This girl had been on mission trips with me. She's married to a woman today. Somebody that I said loved Jesus. Another one of our students who came from a very strict, independent, fundamental background before the Lord brought them over to our church. Godly mom and dad who loved Jesus. She got married to a young man. Moved to another state. Now she's undergone a sex change if there's any such thing. Still married to the guy. So what's that say about him? I don't know. I just say that to say I'm talking about people that I know. And if they walked in, I'd hug their neck right now. One of my best friends growing up who I know was not that way growing up, had girlfriends and acted upon that, is now living that same lifestyle. You could go on and I bet everybody in this room has been touched by somebody you love, somebody in your family who has dealt with this very issue. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5, this is not our main text, but this leapt out at me when I read this in the message paraphrase. I get it, the message is a paraphrase, but sometimes it just says it a little bit better than I could say it. So in this message paraphrase, Matthew 10, 5. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost. Go to the confused people. We're talking about confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring help to the sick. Raise the dead. And he says this, touch 
the untouchables. I just discovered that verse last week. That could have been our theme verse for this whole series. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. Immorality, adultery, transgenderism, homosexuality are rampant in our society, but they're seldom talked about in the church of the living God. If we've got all the answers right here, why are we silent when God's told us what we need to know? And I want you to know, I've said this many times, everybody's welcome at Airline Baptist Church. The homosexual, the alcoholic, the drug addict, the down and out, the bankrupt, the homeless, everybody's welcome at Airline Baptist Church. And I promise you, they will be loved. We will hug their neck. We will shake their hand. But we're going to tell them the truth from God's word, amen? The most loving thing you can ever do is tell somebody the truth. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. We just don't offend them while they go to hell, okay? You just don't offend them while they get some disease they've got to live with the rest of their life. We've got the answer, so everybody's welcome here. When you're doing a study of an issue in Scripture, there are many ways to study the Bible, you know, verse by verse through books of the Bible. You can study subjects. You can do character studies. But I had a seminary professor said, you ought to, Mike, remember the law of first mentions. Where's something first mentioned in Scripture and go back to that? So turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1, the first mention of gender and human sexuality in Scripture. As we answer the question on your outline, it's stuck inside your worship guide today. Number one, is homosexuality a sinful choice? which that'll get you in trouble today if you say that out loud, or does God create people this way according to Scripture? You didn't come to hear my opinion. You didn't come to hear the opinion of this medical doctor. We want to hear what does God have to say about every issue. If you're physically able, would you please rise as we give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word, Genesis, the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. God had already created Adam, the first human. Genesis 1:26. God said, let us make human beings in our image. Our is a plural word. I think that's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In our image to be like us. The only ones made in God's image are human beings. They'll reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, here you go, male and female. Your gender is a choice by Almighty God. You have the gender that you have because that was what God gave you within his infinite wisdom. Then God blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply. If you know much about biology, you understand that takes a man and a woman for that to happen. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Lord Jesus, be our teacher today. Holy Spirit of God, pour over this place with your sweet, sweet fragrance today. God, I pray that nobody would misunderstand. We're not angry at anybody. God, we're angry at the devil. We're angry at the world system. We're not angry at people. Your word says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And I thank you that your word says greater is Jesus that lives in us than he that is in the world. So Father, as we deal with something not often dealt with in churches today, I just plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this place. The blood of Jesus that sets the captives free. Many years ago, in 1874, this property was dedicated for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord of this hill, every unholy host of hell must flee in the presence of King Jesus. So Jesus, you reign today. You set the captives free. You draw people to salvation. Give us a heart of love for people that are struggling and confused. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, God created me the way he wanted me to be. 
I am a Caucasian male because that's what God chose me to be. It's not a sinful choice that I made. It is the way that God made me. This whole thing of self-identification is nuts. I mean, I said to some of my Brazilian brothers and sisters, I said, I think I'm a Brazilian trapped in a white man's body because I'm just, I'm happiest, not happiest, but I'm, it's my second favorite place to be is in the country of Brazil. And you know, and I, I love to be outside in the sun and so I make it have dark skin. Maybe I'm a Brazilian. No, I'm not. I'm created the way that God wanted me to be. Some things like race and gender are beyond our choice. But other things in life are our choices. And it is, it is horrible to blame those sinful choices on Almighty God, the one that created us. Now listen, we're all in the same boat. Everybody in this building is in the same boat. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This might not be your sin, but you got some sin too. We all do. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I tend to believe that all of us have dominant flesh patterns. What do I mean by that? We're all different people with different DNA. Some people struggle with some sins that they're not a problem for anybody else. I mean, I, I, God had to bring me through. I'll talk more about it next week when we deal with what does the Bible have to say about consuming alcohol. Uh, you might be able to go into a bar and witness to somebody and share Jesus with them. I've just fallen too many times to put myself in that environment. I'm just not going to do that because I know, I know that's who I am. Is that the way God made me? No, it's just what I struggle. It's what the devil knows is a weakness in my life more than what might be a weakness in your life. So you ought to know what your dominant flesh pattern is. You better put on the full armor of God every day so that you can do battle against the enemy. And I think some people who wind up in this lifestyle... Now, can any of you remember the first television program ever? It wasn't a godly program, and I was not a Christian, so don't judge. It was called Soap. I would ask you to raise your hand, but you might be embarrassed if you do remember that program. It was kind of a, a spoof of soap operas, and it came on at night. And there was an unknown actor that nobody had ever heard of by the name of Billy Crystal. You've heard of Billy Crystal today. He played a homosexual character. I'd never heard of such. I'd never seen anything like that. It was such a shock to everybody, but now you can't hardly turn on a television program without seeing that. It's everywhere. So because it's out there, people that are not walking in the full counsel of God and not filled with the Spirit of God can become curious. Some of our government school sex education classes now teach children. I don't think that happens in Hall County. I know our superintendent, Will Schofield, is a godly man and a brother in Christ. I don't think they're teaching this garbage in our schools, but in many of them they say, well, you don't know till you tried it. You don't know whether you're gay or straight until you at least try it. That is dangerous, dangerous. It's because they're bombarded with it from cartoons on, it creates a curiosity. And I'm afraid that's how some people wind up in this lifestyle. Some of you may not be more tempted by alcohol like those with the last name of Dura are, but you may have what they call SSA, same-sex attraction, because that may be a temptation for you and it's not for some of the rest of us. Whatever your temptation is, greater is Jesus that lives in you. And so when they're bombarded with this, I think it's just not much of a shock that kids are going to dabble in this stuff and try out this stuff because they've not been grounded in God's word. Sometimes those confused feelings come from, like I said, the mental illness of the parent or a child who doesn't have a proper role model. Uh, one of our deacons this morning was telling me about a professor of psychology. He had him in college who adopted a little boy. 
No granddaddy, no uncle, no, man, no male influence in that life. Praise God that professor is wise enough. She's asked one of our deacons, will you spend time with my boy? Will you teach my boy some things? Men, we need to be teaching boys how to be young men. And that's not a sexist statement. That's just creating them to be who God created them to be. There's conclusive evidence that was revealed in a 2019 study, the largest ever, that reveals nobody is born gay. Nobody's born homosexual. This is a scientific study, not a... Bible study. If you reject the truth of the scripture, will you at least listen to science until the spirit of God gets a hold of your heart and lets you know that scripture is also true. Behavior is environment. It's a learned behavior. The things that you hear. This was study, uh, this study was uh, printed, uh, made public on tw- the 29th of August 2019 in Science Magazine reported by CBS and other major news outlets. They studied the genomes of nearly 500,000 people. It shored up results of what smaller studies have been saying all along. There is no gene to prove anybody was born that way. They can keep spending money. They can keep doing the studies. All they got to do is read Genesis 1 and they know that nobody was born that way. All sinful choices are a choice. So who am I to blame the creator for making me a white male. God made me the way that he wanted me to be. And can I just say, I'm just being real with you. Thank God I wasn't created a woman. I'm just being honest. Men, we got it easy compared to what our sisters in Jesus and our brides have to go to. We just, we're just there to welcome that baby into the world while she's sitting there screaming and crying and being ripped open like my wife had to be. I'm thankful that God made me a man. And you women, I'm sure thankful that God made you a woman. Is temptation alone sinful, by the way? Is it a sin to be tempted? No, because we know Jesus Christ could not have been our Messiah had he ever, ever sinned. And you know the story from the New Testament. He was tempted in the wilderness. And by the way, Jesus overcame every temptation. How? Who can tell me how Jesus overcame that temptation? The word of God, he said, it is written. As it is written, we've got to hide God's word in our heart. So when those temptations come to our life, we can hold up the shield of faith and reject those fiery darts of the devil. Temptation is not a sin. I forget who the old preacher was who said, I can't control the birds that fly around my head, but I can control the ones I let build a nest there. You know what he's saying? You reject that temptation. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means all. All means all, and that's all it means. Romans 8.37 tells us not only are we conquerors, but we are more than conquerors because of what Jesus did. Flip over to Genesis chapter 2. I think you're in chapter 1 before. Flip over to Genesis chapter 2. As if we didn't get it in chapter 1, God's just reiterating his creation. Genesis 2, 18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now see, husbands, if you're real smart, you'd have said amen right there. So pretend like I didn't say that, I'm going to say it again. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Some of you are going to be sleeping on the sofa. I'll make a helper, the Lord said, who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them, paraded them in front of the man to see what he'd called them, and the man chose a name for every one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but still, there was only Adam, but still. I can almost see Adam going, God, man, you're awesome. You created these amazing creatures, but I ain't none of them going home with me. We got to do better than this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. The first spiritual mention of anesthesia in scripture. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, he exclaimed, this is what I've been looking for. At last, he exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from the man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now, 
the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. People get uneasy when you talk about stuff like this in church, as if it's something nasty or dirty the way God created us. Whose idea was procreation anyway? It's God's idea. Intimacy between a husband and a wife is God-given. It's God's design. It's a way to raise godly children. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Listen, the world's outdoing us. The Muslim world's outdoing us. We gotta raise up an army of God. God is a creator of all good things. But the devil likes to take what God meant for good and twist and pervert it and bring evil out of that. Every major cult, by the way, is based on an element of truth. Most good cult that's reaching, if there's a good, no such thing as a good cult, but they take the truth of God's word, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Jehovah's Witnesses say in the beginning was the word, and the word was a God, little g. You see what just one letter can make a big difference? We better stick to what God says. Sin happens when we twist what God has done. Here's an example, perhaps a bad example. Fire in the fireplace is a good thing on a cold morning like today. But to build that fire in the middle of your living room, that's a bad thing. So the things that God made for our good, when we twist and pervert them, we will get burned by that. The scripture says there's pleasure in sin for a season. I ain't gonna lie. I had fun getting drunk. I had fun doing the stuff I used to do for a season. But because I had professed faith in Jesus Christ and his spirit lived in my heart, thank God he continued to chastise me as his son and bring me back to salvation. There's pleasure in sin for a season. You can eat the devil's corn, but he's gonna choke you on the cob every single time. So any sexual activity outside of a husband-wife relationship is gonna bring emptiness the next day. We're answering the question, is homosexuality sinful or is this a choice? Well, Leviticus, the Old Testament law, chapter 20 and verse 13 says, if a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both men have committed, here's what God calls it, a detestable act. Is there any question how God feels about this? You know the story in Genesis chapter 19 when some, some angels showed up in town? Before they retired, Genesis 19 verse 4, before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Here's why I gave the parental guidance warning earlier. Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. That's what the scripture says. So Lot stepped outside to talk to him, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. God says it's detestable. God says it is wicked. Why would God say that if he created people that way? What a cruel God would he be if he created? Now we're all created with a sin nature, but God wants you to be more than a conqueror when you're created in his image. It's like I've got this, this old Seiko watch. I had a University of Georgia alumni watch and I lost it when I was doing some part-time work for Nabisco stocking shelves, got home and I lost that watch, made payments on it. My wife made payments on it for a long time. This is an old watch. My mother and stepfather that I had at the time gave me this watch when I graduated from high school in 1992. It was a long time ago. It's an old watch. What if I just decided after all these years, I can't stand this watch. The, the people at Seiko who made this, they're idiots. They had no idea what they were doing. And I go find out wherever the Seiko headquarters are and I bang on the doors and I say, you folks are freaks. I've had this watch for a long, long time, but I don't like the way you made it. They probably would call the people in the white wagon and the, you know, the padded coach to come and haul me off to a psych ward somewhere. Because that's insanity. Why would we shake our fist at holy God and say, I don't like the way that you made me, God. You messed up when you made me. That is wrong to do that. And it's more crazy than shaking your fist at a watchmaker. 
So transgenderism, I'm gonna hurt for those people. Can you imagine the confusion? God created you and your greatest blessings in life are gonna be to operate in the role and the gender and the way that God made you after you give your life to Christ and you've got the spirit of God living inside of you and you've got the instruction of the word of God to lead and guide you to all truth. Now all sin, sin, right? Is this sin worse than other sins? Well, all sin is what put Jesus on the cross, but it's clearly from Scripture and in the laws of the land, sins have different consequences. Would you agree with that? I mean, is it wrong if I went and shoplifted a candy bar at Kroger today? Wrong. It's sin. Is it wrong if I go rob a bank today? Which one am I going to spend the most time in jail for doing robbing that bank? Both are sin, but there are greater consequences to that. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. If I think a hateful thought against somebody and I dwell on that, that's sin. If I go out and murder somebody, that's sin with greater consequences. Romans chapter 1. Because I've heard some of these people who like to say, listen, all that talk about homosexuality being a sin, that's only in the Old Testament. If you read your Bible, it will cure a lot of ignorance, amen? People can just spout something. That doesn't mean it's true. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. God shows his anger. I don't like it if my wife's upset with me. I dadgum sure don't want God angry at me. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth. The truth is there. Creation gives evidence of that. Romans 1 earlier says that. Even creation screams the glory of God. But who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Because of the sin that festers in our life and the sins that we act upon, we just miss the truth of God's word. Verse 19 said they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. Drop down to verse 21. Yes, they knew God. Right here in their head, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God. That's from our heart. Or even give him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Like these translators, I use that term very loosely of scripture, who want to use feminine pronouns to refer to God. Who just want to twist and change the word of God. As a result, when you deny who God is, you deny the word of God, our minds become dark and confused. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. That's God's word. That's not Pastor Mike. Verse 24, but I ain't going to disagree with God. Verse 24, so why? God abandoned them. He just said, if you're going to have it, have at it. You're not listening to my word. You're not listening to my spirit. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful, shameful things God, their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. I didn't finish the thought earlier in Genesis. When they came and banged on the doors wanting to have intimacy with those men, that was in Sodom. You know the rest of the story, right? God rained down fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah, primarily because of this particular sin that we're dealing with today. They did violent, degrading things with each other's bodies. Verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie. I think evolution stems from a lot of this. You teach kids in school, they evolve from animals, they're going to start to act like animals. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals. Y'all not to misuse animals. Y'all not to hurt, harm animals. But people who worship animals, people like Shirley MacLaine who worship nature and say that God is in the tree and God is, I mean, God's evidence is everywhere. But only holy God, our Father, is worthy of our worship. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26. That's why. That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Could it be that 
AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome? Could it be that we've just disregarded what God said and people are receiving the due penalty of their sin? I'm not saying that for a fact, but it says you're going to receive that penalty that you deserve. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that should never be done. God gives us a free will. I know some people, even with our convention, don't like that. But God clearly does, because that's why people choose sin. Romans 126 says that people give themselves over to homosexuality because they worship and serve things that are created instead of the creator. So from God's point of view, homosexual practice is the sexual display of false worship. If you don't believe me, watch the news next time they have one of those gay pride parades with LGBTQ, XYZ, and all those letters they keep adding. I can't keep up with it to all the letters. If you don't think that's worship, those high-heeled, well-funded by corporations, parades where they flaunt their sin and they celebrate their sin, looks a lot like a worship service of a false god, in my opinion. Is homosexuality a sin or is it a choice? God's made that very clear. It's a sin. Number two, how does our sin, now yours may not be homosexuality or same-sex attraction, but you got sin, we all do. How does our sin affect our relationship with God? The prophet Isaiah in chapter 59 and verse 2 says, Listen, the Lord's arm's not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. I've had people say, Preacher, I just feel like God's not hearing my prayers. They're just bouncing off the ceiling. Well, is there sin in your life? Is there willful sin in your life? Are you seeking after God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? If not, you may be exactly right. Your prayers may be bouncing off the ceiling. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to suffer and bleed and die on an old rugged cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the reason that Jesus came. That's why he sent his son. That's why he resurrected himself by his own power. And that tomb is empty that we celebrate not only Easter Sunday, but every Sunday. So whether it's gossip, murmuring, backbiting, cheating on an exam, cheating on your taxes, slander, any sexual activity outside of marriage. All of those are reasons that Jesus came. I'll never forget when I first saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ. I've been a believer since I was 15. But when I saw that movie, and I know it's just Hollywood, it doesn't come close to what really happened. When I saw that actor that portrayed Jesus on that cross, when I saw they beat him, they opened his back with a cat of nine tails, and he just suffocated to death on that cross, it's like the Spirit of God said, you did that to him, Mike. You, Mike, you did that because of my sin. That's why Jesus did that. But he did it not just to make me feel guilty. He did that so that I could be more than a conqueror and I put my faith, hope, and trust in him. So why? He says, your sin separates you from God. Now, my wife and daughter are going to Jacksonville to visit her parents this week. Her dad's not doing well, and I'm already dreading it. Can I just tell you that? If you ain't noticed, I dadgum love my wife. 32 years this summer, and it's like we've just begun. I don't like to be any separation between me and my wife. I'd rather be with her than anybody on the whole planet. If I don't like any separation between me and my wife... Why would we allow separation between holy God? Because as much as I love that pretty blonde-headed lady, she didn't die for my sins. She couldn't earn me a place in heaven. I don't want separation from her, and I know she's going for a good reason to minister to her parents, but why would I tolerate separation between me and holy God? And every time I sin, every time you sin, that's what happens. There's a price tag for that sin. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin. What we've earned is death. <clears throat> separation from God forever and ever. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number three, write this down. Is God's love for everybody? 
Did Jesus die for everybody? Or did he just die for a certain few elect people? Just making sure you're awake. I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says, John 3, 16. For God so loved what? If he meant just a handful of people, do you think God's smart enough to say he only died for a handful of people? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, be separated from God, but have eternal life. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 on your screen here. Don't you realize those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? habitually do wrong because we all sin we all do wrong but those who never repent of their sins will not inherit the kingdom of God don't fool yourselves those who indulge in sexual sin so you go mm-hmm nasty people that's what they deserve those who worship idols those who commit adultery mm-hmm I'm glad that ain't me it's probably somebody else in the building those who are male prostitutes that's filthy those who practice homosexuality those that are thieves get them God those greedy nasty people go get them God or drunkards or abusive or cheat people none of these will inherit the kingdom of God and Christians and Baptists go amen get them God but then there's verse 11 we ought to camp out on verse 11. King James says, for such were some of you. Those sins may not be your sins, but such were some of you. Such were all of us sinners separated from holy God. Listen, apart from the Spirit of God, I'm capable of any sin that anybody can ever imagine apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Such were some of you, but you were cleansed, that precious blood. You were cleansed. You're made holy. You're made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All these nasty sins that you say, get them, preacher. Let them have it, preacher. And then he says, but such were some of you. And if God rescued filthy sinners like us, can he not rescue the people in that list right there? Jesus died for the sins of the world. Let's be practical. Number four, how should Christians respond? It's in your face and it's everywhere. Well, the first thing I wrote down is don't overreact. If somebody comes to you, as my friend recently did, usually if he calls me, I know it's a problem. And I'd heard the rumors, I'd heard from other people, and I, I, I said, he is not. He does not. I know he was one of my best friends growing up. There's no way that this dude is. Well, he calls me up, has a prayer request for me, because he's having trouble with the guy that he's dating. You talk about a strange conversation. I never had that conversation before. And he said, so I'm sure you've heard by now that I'm gay. And I said, buddy, I'm not going to argue that with you right now because you know what the Bible says. You were taught, we both professed the Lord in the same church about the same time. If he walked in right now, I'd hug his neck and I'd love him and I'd welcome him as my friend. But the most loving thing you can do is tell somebody the truth. I didn't go, ah, you're kidding me. I know you weren't like that. Don't overreact. When somebody entrusts you with their deepest, darkest secrets and prayer requests, that's an honor. They're saying, I trust the Holy Spirit in you that you'll pray for me and share truth. Don't overreact. Letter B, communicate God's love. Write that down. Communicate God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Letter C, understand that you can accept that person for whom Jesus died while still speaking the truth about sin. The scriptures tell us we speak the truth in love. Not with an angry wagging finger in their face, but we speak the truth in love. You know another good thing for you and I to do, letter D, share your own struggles and victories. Say, hey dude, I might not have that sin, but here's some ways I've struggled before. And I'm not just bragging on the devil to tell you have struggle but let me tell you what Jesus has done for me let me tell you about the victory that Jesus has given me in my life and what he's done for me and others he can do for you letter E we got to care enough to confront you just ignore it if you want to act like it's never happening and just be blind to it but one day they're going to stand before holy God in judgment and they're going to hell is a place of memory by the way 
They're going to remember, hey, I had that Christian I was in class with. That Christian that worked on the job. They knew my lifestyle, but they never cared enough to tell me the truth. Letter F, the most important thing, share the life-transforming gospel. That any sin you can imagine, Jesus died for that sin. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And then we need to be prepared to lead them to resources, letter G, and people who can help. I forget which one of my seminary professors told us, but they said, young preacher boys, none of you are equipped to deal long-term in counseling with sexual sin. You need to refer them at some point to somebody who specializes in that stuff and let them help them. I can love them, I can share the truth with them, but if they're not willing to change, then it's time at some point, so focus on the family is always a great and godly resource. Another ministry that I Googled to find is called firststone.org. It's on your outline there. If you know somebody with these struggles, point them to these resources with people who are trained to help them. Let's look at our conclusion and try to land this uncomfortable airplane. Number one, this might be the most important thing I've said today other than the gospel. Just as a hospital is a place for people with broken bones, the church is a place for people with broken lives. Are y'all with me today? I'm going to say it one more time because you see, somebody in here needs to hear that. And when, when the preacher says something and you don't amen, the people that may be visiting are something, well, they just don't believe what this dude's saying. So I'm going to pretend like I didn't say it. I'm going to say it again. Just as a hospital is a place for people with broken bones, this church, Airline Baptist Church, is a place for people with broken lives. Amen? Regardless of the sin, you may think your life is the biggest mess or the biggest wash-up ever. This is where we want you to be. We will love you enough to love the truth, share the truth with you in love, and help you realize that you're not only a conqueror, but you're more than a conqueror. Number two, we demonstrate the love of Christ or reject society's untouchables. And I quite frankly, with this particular sin, I don't know if there's untouchable in society anymore. It's celebrated. You know who the bad guys are in the world today, right? Who the media and others people, it's us who speak the truth. It's us who say, there's probably coming a time in America, and I'm just saying, had the election not turned out the way it did, it may be illegal for me to preach this message in America right now, because it is in Canada. I couldn't preach this in Canada. Well, I could, but I'd go to jail. I'm a pastor in Canada or Gainesville, Georgia. I'm called to proclaim the whole counsel of God. So maybe not considered untouchable in our society, but the sin is celebrated. But we got to let them know, I'm not freaked out by that. I'm not freaked out by your sin. So I've been hearing these rumors about my friend. His mother passed away, asked me to preach the funeral. I hadn't seen him in a long time. He may be listening. I don't know if he listens to this, but he knows I love him. He knows he's my friend. He can call me and I'll pray with him. But I'd heard the rumors and I denied the rumors. The funeral's over, hadn't seen my friend in forever. So somebody wanted to take our picture. So I thought, oh my, what am I going to do now? So I said, Jesus, I'm more than a, I went up, put my arm right around him and smiled for the camera. Do I approve of the sin? No. But I love my friend because Jesus died for him. Because Jesus wants to set him free. Number three, God never intended for anybody to fight this or any spiritual battle alone. That's why God put us in a family. That's why God says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We worship together. We gain strength from one another, from one another's prayers, one another's friendship, one another's wise counsel. This is where we ought to be. Don't face your battles alone. When the invitation is given, this may not be your struggle, but something else may be. When the invitation is given, perhaps you know somebody struggling with this or some other sin. This altar is where we come and we lay those requests before the Father, and then we put feet to our prayers and we go and love people right where they are. God never meant for us to have our struggles alone. Number four, are you completely at peace with your salvation today? If you died today, do you know beyond any doubt you'd be absent from the body and present with the Lord? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, you can know that you have eternal life. 
I don't hope I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved. I don't wish I'm going to get to go to heaven. I know that I know that I know, not because I'm a nice guy, because I can be a jerk, but because the word of God says, here's how you can be saved. And I've responded to the truth of God's word. And I want to hunger for it more every day. I want to know it more every day. I want to love the unlovable. I want to take the gospel to the, to the least and the lost of these. That's the only way I can know that I have salvation because I've trusted the fact that Jesus died on the cross in my place, they laid him in a borrowed tomb as was prophesied before and he came resurrecting out of that thing three days later and I put all my faith, all my hope and all my trust in him like Asa did. That's what baptism is. It's a picture of the fact we're identifying with Jesus. He died for our sins, he was buried and he rose again. Nothing magic about that water, but it is symbolic of the fact that when I went down the old man, when I surrendered my life to Christ, I came up, my sins were washed whiter than snow, not by my baptism, but at the moment of my salvation. Baptism is a symbol of that. Number five, what can you do to grow more in your faith? I know some of you are nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof because you know I'm preaching on this today and you don't like it. I just ask you to pray and let the Lord deal with you because I preached what the Lord told me to. Speak the truth in love. So you say, we don't not talk about stuff like that in church. So we just let PBS and Disney Pixar and the rest of them handle this stuff and we have all the answers there. What I want to do is to grow more in my walk with the Lord. You will never, ever, ever, you got to get tired of hearing me say this, but until God calls me home, I'm going to keep saying it. You will never, ever, ever be the Christian that you ought to be and neither will I without a daily steady diet in the Word of God every day. Hungering for Him. Thirsting for him. I can't minister to other people. I can't give other people what I don't have. And listen, just as I ate three meals yesterday, I'm more than likely going to have three meals today. I have to eat every day. I got to be filled with the Spirit every day. I've got to get the Word of God every day because this is far more important than any physical food I put in my body. A.W. Pink, a, a great old saint of God, wrote a little booklet called Profiting from the Word. A.W. Pink says you can only profit from the Word if it convicts you of your sin. If you read it and it don't convict you of your sin, you can't profit from it. Number two, if it leads you to sorrow, brokenness over your sin. It'll only help you if it draws you to confess your sin. Just acknowledging, hey, I messed up, ain't good enough. I gotta confess, God, I put Jesus on the cross. My sins that I chose put Jesus on the cross. The word of God is not gonna help me if I don't let it develop in me a deep hatred of my own indwelling sins. I mean, which, which things make you more mad? The fact that cartoons are pushing this sin down the throats of our children or your own personal sin? It's a gut check right there, is it not? It's the tendency is for me to get mad at the sins of the world and sometimes I overlook the sin that's in my own heart. We better, we better start with our own heart. It, it's not helpful unless it causes you to forsake your sins. You feel bad, you confess them, and then you got to forsake it, do a 180. It's the word of God that's going to fortify against your sin and it's going to compel you to practice the opposite of your sin, A.W. Pink says. Because the word of God is God's divinely inspired truth. True for all people, for all places, and for all times. Because of that, it has a groundswell of supernatural power in this book. It'll conquer your sin, whether it's this sin or some other else. This book will always lead you home. This book will always set you free. You say, I don't even know how to read the Bible, or I don't have a Bible. Let one of us know today. We'd love to put a copy of God's Word in your hand. We'd love to introduce you to a life group, Bible study, or a men's group, or our Lady Salt Ministry. We've got men's groups that meet throughout the week. If you're an early bird in South Hall, five o'clock tomorrow morning, I'd love to see you with our little group of men at, um, at where, where we go, Stephen, at, at um, McDonald's in Oakwood. I just drew a blank. I know where it is, but we need each other, y'all. I need your prayers. Some, some old preacher used to say, look, I need the prayers and you probably need the practice. Amen. So we all need to pray for each other. That accountability, that encouragement, it's all about the word of God. Would you bow and pray with me, church?
Father, I confess, this is a message I'd just soon not preach. Lord, you know, I was uncomfortable to share these things from the pulpit, but God, I confess because I believe the lies of the devil that people will get mad, people don't want to hear it, people will call me intolerant, but God, we know that it's your truth that sets the captives free. And Lord, I don't know if anybody in this building today or anybody watching later on the World Wide Web may be struggling with this very sin. God, would you show them by the power of your Holy Spirit that you love them too much to let them stay enslaved in those chains? Whether it's some sexual sin, whether it's an addiction, alcohol or drugs, gossip, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, critical spirit. Lord, whatever it is, convict us today. Drive us to your word. Drive us to your cross. Let us see that we did that to you. Miss Mike Durrison to put Jesus on the cross. And God, when we see that, I pray it'll break our hearts. And God, I pray you will compel us that 120 in 2020 is not just a catchy hashtag we put on the internet, but God, we're trusting you that you're a big enough God that you're going to let us reach a minimum, a minimum of 120 souls at Airline Baptist Church this year for your glory. Not to brag on us, but for your glory because we can't change a life. But like the old song says, I know a man who can, and his name is Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. Lord, for the soul that's struggling with their own salvation this morning, I pray they'd come and let one of us talk to them. Lord, for somebody that's broken for friends or family members who are enslaved in sin, whether it's this one or any other, God, move us. Move us with compassion the way the Lord Jesus was moved with compassion when he looked out upon the multitudes. Drive us to our knees, Lord God, that we would beg you to do what we can't do, and that's set the captives free. Or for somebody that may be like Asa, they've given their heart and their life to you, but they've never taken that next step of obedience and baptism. God, I pray you'd let them come today and talk to us about being baptized. Lord, there's some folks maybe in this building or watching on the internet that you know and you've already shown them they need to be a part of that 120 that we're asking you to reach. Help us to obey you. Lord, as we break up this holy huddle today and go out into this community, move us with compassion that we share your gospel with the least and the lost because everybody we encounter is somebody for whom your son Jesus died. We pray all these things in his name. The only name given under heaven by which men, women, boys, and girls can be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. Hey, let's stand together. If everything's all right between you and the Father, you just worship in this song. Maybe everything's okay between you and the Father, but you want to come and pray for friends that are struggling or family. You come to these altars. I've heard my brother, Doyle Connolly, say, we ain't going to have revival at Airline until these altars are filled up. We're not going to have revival until we do more of what we did last Sunday night when we had a show enough, heaven came down our, and glory filled our soul prayer meeting at Bob and Pat Richmond's house and we wept and we were broken for people. That's what revival is going to take. Acknowledging we can't do it, but we beg God to do it. Whatever he said to your heart today, you come, you respond as we stand and sing. Give you my trust, Jesus. And you are my God, and you are enough, Jesus. 
Taking all my life in your hands I lay down my life 